thank you for tuning back in. You might have noticed that the name has changed and the artwork has changed. Now there's no fancy introduction. There'll be another one, I promise. Or maybe you're just thinking, what is this girl on? Like, what is going on? You see, my original podcast had been doing great, like better than I expected. But I just felt like I needed to do more. My aim is to better the veterinary profession and to help pet owners. (laughs) A perfectly attainable goal, right? Definitely not an easy one to set out to try and do. But that is my aim. This is what all of this is about. But as I started, I realised that there was a lot more that could be done through what I was doing. Pet owners, you need support and education But the way I see it is there is plenty out there. There are plenty of vets on Instagram and Facebook and they're posting fantastic information about your pet's health. What we all need is someone to come in with the brutal honest truth and some stories to show you what life is really like as a vet. I want to show you what are we actually up against. Vets, nurses, everyone. I want to see, can we do better by pet owners? And I want to know, as a whole, can we do better by each other? Because I feel like the vet profession, the animal health profession, we're just this fractured profession at the moment. All of us trying to do our best, all of us trying to do our bit, but we're not really coming together. And at the end of the day, as I keep saying, the ones that are going to suffer are going to be our pets, our most beloved companions. I'm worried for us as a profession. And this goes for everything. This is not just vets. This is farriers. This is body workers. This is osteos. This is anyone who works with animals. Most, I mean, at the moment, the thing that I'm worried about is that if we keep going as we're going, there's not going to be anywhere near enough vets and pet owners are going to be screaming out for help. And this is kind of what's already happening. So here is what I am here to do. I want to keep vets and farriers and nurses and all of these allied health, animal health professionals in jobs. But more than that, I want us to remind ourselves of why we are passionate about this job and what are the good things in this job and what are some of those brutal, honest truths in this job. But... If you're a pet owner and you're a dedicated pet owner, then by all means, please tune in because you never know what you might learn and you never know what kind of insight you're going to get. And if you've ever considered being a vet or even considered being a vet nurse, then please, this podcast or this series is probably going to be for you. So the best thing I can think of is that I want to go back to the start, go back to learning about who I am. And I thought what I would do is overshare five pieces of information about myself. And maybe it'll give you a little bit of insight into why I think I can do this and why I think I can offer some support to other people out there. And if nothing else, you'll listen to these and you'll listen to the podcast and see we're actually all the same deep down. So let's start with my oversharing tips. Oversharing tip number one. If any of you have seen my recent Instagram post, you will have learnt today that my nemesis is a dog's bay. So owners, this is the procedure where we desex your female dog. 
it's a relatively common surgery. It's a surgery that vet clinics do pretty much every day. But even though it's super common, it's super tedious. The post that I put up highlighted a few things that probably need to be touched on in a bit more detail, but I'm not going to touch on that today. So if you haven't seen it yet, go to my Instagram at vet and pet life coaching and you'll see it there. What I want is I just want people to know that I hate them. Actually, hate is the wrong word. They terrify me. Like, give me the full-blown heebie-jeebies and, oh man, no, they just terrify me. And there's a few reasons why. One, they're super fiddly. Anyone who's tried to do this can attest. I mean, if you're one of those old school vets that's done thousands of them, you're probably like, are you kidding me? I can smash one out really fast. But for the majority of us, of these average Joe Blows like myself, we find them really fiddly and really stressful. It's also really easy for the dog to bleed out a lot. And even though we're vets, we don't like to see a lot of blood. That generally raises our blood pressure, shoots our anxiety through the roof. It's really stressful. So it can be a really stressful procedure. But most of all, the reason why they terrify me and the reason why they get to me is because they're classed as what's called routine. It's a procedure that's done every day. Every vet should be able to do one. And they're thought of as this easy procedure that never has any kind of complications and a vet should be able to do them perfectly every single time. Because, you know, if you stuff up a dog's bay, like, are you even a vet? And that's how I felt for years, not months, years. And even still to this day, that little devil is still on the shoulder. And granted, that's not my thinking now and that's not how I think about them now. But the takeaway from this is I just want all of you, all of you vets out there listening, it's all right. All of us fuck up. We all have procedures that terrify us, that we don't want to do. It's normal. We're all human. And pet owners, just remember, no surgery is without complication of some sort. So... If you're ever in the position and your pet's had a surgery or a procedure, no matter how routine it's classed, if it doesn't go to plan, just be understanding because at the end of the day, it's still a surgery of some kind. So that's the takeaway from oversharing tip number one. Oversharing tip number two, personally and professionally, I have some seriously big regrets. I have done some questionable things over my lifetime. And a lot of these have stemmed from insecurity. I will admit that. And whilst a lot of them were far from moral or far from the correct behavior at the time, I look back at them now and realize they were opportunities for me to learn from and to grow from. And look, they're obviously very personal scenarios and I'm not going to blab on a podcast about them. But likely if we have a private session You'll hear about them at some point. But just know we all have regrets, personal, professional. We all have someone or some version of ourselves that we look back on and be like, oh my God, what were you thinking? But all I try and do on the daily is remind myself, it's okay, that was past Sabine. She learnt a lot, let's move on. Oversharing tip number three. People very close to me have died in very sudden ways. 
And I feel like this is important for people to know because grief does some seriously funny things to you. And unless you've been through that experience of losing someone who's really close to you, it's a really hard ride to empathize with and a really hard ride to understand. Losing someone when you didn't expect it and when they were quite close to you, it feels like you're dying yourself. There's kind of no other way to describe it. These emotions, they don't happen all at once and the emotions don't flow in this nice sequential timeline. They're kind of all over the fucking place. But I've also learned over the years that people's pets are just as important to some people. So losing a pet can also feel like your world is ending. And I think vets, we sometimes need to remember that when we're dealing with a pet owner that's going through grief. Grief and loss is incredibly strong. They are really powerful emotions. So just putting it out there, if you're in that boat, if you're ever in that boat and you need a sounding board, feel free to message there. Message there. My God, message me. That's what I meant to say there. Oversharing tip number four. This is really going to be oversharing. I am terribly insecure a lot of the time. And generally, I have a very unhealthy relationship with my appearance. And I feel like a lot of people have this. Um, It's probably something a lot of people can relate to. My weight, my physique, they bother me a lot. It has my entire life. It's like this horrible little devil that sits on your shoulder and it constantly reminds you of your own imperfections. So what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to practice what's called self-love on the daily. So rather than pointing out your flaws on the daily, you try and point out good things about yourself, your appearance, your body on the daily. And it's helped a lot, but it still creeps in more often than it should. And anyone who knows me well knows this about me. I often don't feel comfortable in my own clothes and I dislike a lot of full-length photos of myself. But this is one thing that I'm trying really hard to work on and I'm trying really hard to work on it in a healthy way. You know, dieting is not what I'm trying to do because we all know that being skinny doesn't necessarily make you happy. You know, there's a lot more to it. So that's something that I'm working on. And the last one, oversharing tip number five. I have wanted to quit being a vet yearly since I graduated. So I have wanted to quit being a vet almost every year since I graduated, which was about 10 to 11 years ago. And this thought has only changed recently. And I think the reason that it's changed is that I now look at my job in a completely different way. I like my job. I'm passionate about certain aspects of it, not all of it, but certain aspects. But at the end of the day, it's a job. It does not define me and it does not define who I am. I think what I've come to discover is that I used to want to quit because I felt like being a vet was all I was. I was a vet, nothing else. And when the job didn't fulfill my every emotional need, in fact, it probably crushed most of my emotions on the daily basis, it was almost like it was a personal stab or a personal attack on myself and who I was. Now, and look, this has taken a lot of years, I can look at it for what it is. It's a profession, but it is a damn lucky one. 
that. Of course, the job is stressful and taxing and full-on and emotional, but the job is also fun and rewarding and empowering. And at the end of the day, it's a job. This is what we do. We go to work to earn money. I think once a lot of us realise that in its very true sense, and I think once a lot of owners start to look at it that way too, maybe not in such a defining way, but look at it a little bit more that way, things will become a lot clearer and a lot easier within the profession. Vets, we it's like we almost link being a vet with our own identity. You know, we see differences of opinions when it comes to treating things as personal attacks. When we fail professionally, we take it as if we've failed personally. And we let disappointed clients and their comments, we let them chip away at our own personal selves. And it shouldn't be that way. And owners, pet owners, the hard truth is that you expect us to be this way. I know a lot of you see it as we love animals, so we should always be around to help them. And that's with, without ever a day off or without ever having business hours. And it's not right. It's our job. Granted, we love our job. We love animals, but it's not who we are. We are still ourselves. We still have families, we still have flaws, and we still have days off. So I just want to be here. I just want vets and nurses and farriers and all of these professionals to have someone to reach out to and go, oh my God, it's not just me that thinks that way. Or, oh my God, like they've done it too. And I want owners to listen to these podcasts and be like, hmm, I never thought about it that way. Because the way I see it is that unless we start being a united front for our most loved companions, which are our pets, I fear that we're going to do nothing but fail them. So thank you for listening and I will see you next episode.